Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit This is Penelope Flint, co-host and moderator of Discussions from the Otherhood. I'm here this evening with the full crew with James, Sonia, Nikki, Cranston, and Otto. And tonight we're going to talk about those shows that establish whether or not you should have your black card revoked or reinstated. Uh, first, we're gonna talk a little bit about the weather and James ended up top center again. So James, how are things in New York? Well, right now it's about 44 degrees. It's cloudy, it's been raining on and off. We had high wind gusts all day. It's, you know, typical March. <laughs> Wow. So had you been out in it? No. Well, that's good. I mean, all that weather like that is fine as long as I don't have to be out in it. You yeah, well, my, my, my arthritis doesn't let me go out when it's like that. So, uh, so what do you use for the arthritis? Do you do like the, what do you call that stuff, the, the Bengay and stuff like that? Or yeah, I, use, I use Tiger Balm. Oh man, he take it old school. I call out Maggie and get him some Tiger Bomb. That's all. Uh, Maggie, Jesus. What is it? What is the one you got? There's like one that's the black and one that's the red or something like that. No, I just used the original. Yeah, it's like there's different colors of it, right? Yeah. 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 So I know, but you know, my Aunt Maggie, get some Tiger Bomb. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're doing okay. You got your, your, um, your, uh, your tiger bomb there with you? No, I, I I've already applied this, so I'm good. You know, right. I, it's just as long as I don't do like um the group fishbone, you know, before they would do their show, they would apply tiger bomb to their testicles. Wow. Yeah, that's why if you ever see like old concert footage of them, that's why they're jumping around all the time. Yeah, I can bet. I, I can bet. I, I don't know why anybody would do that. I mean, definitely, you know, into the sadomasochism thing, I can only gather. I no, mm -mm, no, just no. Well, the person in the group who came up with that idea, did they let him or him stay in the group? <laughs> Hey, look, I got this great idea. <laughs> no. Yeah, great idea. Put Vicks on my on my on my balls. Yeah, this one. Tiger hotter than that. Put Vicks vapor rub on my balls. <laughs> you graduate to Tiger Bomb, so you yeah. start off at Vicks. Yeah, that stuff is hot. Wow, I cannot imagine who would think that was a good idea. But uh, yeah, you know. well, I have a theory that I've never investigated, but I think it must be true that the reason they put uh, for external use only exclamation point on Vicks VapoRub is because they knew that uh, people of color were giving it to their children as a general um, and uh, uh, curative. So they mm -hmm. want to make sure, don't come back and sue us for doing yeah. that. Yeah, I, I had a friend that used to do that. He would take a spoonful of one of his yes. big vapor rub. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. God sure. bless him. 
cures everything. Not wait a minute, you said God, but now he's dead. <laughs> well, uh, on a serious note, he we used to work in the North Tower of the World Trade Center, and to this day, you know, I had left, but he was still working there, you know, at 9 11. And Ooh. I have, I don't know, I've I've called right after 9-11. I don't know what happened to him. Wow. Well, it's hoping he's listening to the show. Eating Tiger Balls. And not eating Tiger Balls. And not eating Tiger Balls. All right. Sonia, how's your weather? It Tonight, right now, it's nice and beautiful, nice and clear. Ooh. Last night, you thought the house was going to fall apart in the thunderstorm. Really? Yeah, it was really nasty out there up until like six o'clock this morning. But now it's clear. I think uh, as we were hunting, hunting, uh, I think enough people hunted groundhogs that it's going to stabilize for a while. All right. Chris's great groundhog hunt. All right. How about you, Cranston? How's your weather? It was uh, the first day of uh, spring was Monday, and it dropped down into the 60s, and then it's been slowly kind of warming up, so today it got up to 88. Wow. uh, Right now it's 81, and the uh, low is going to be like in the 60s, so this may be spring for real this time. All right, well, I'm hoping you're going to enjoy your spring, but 88 is a little high for the beginning of spring, so I do not envy you moving into the summer. Oh, summer, no. The summer you watch all of those advisors said, okay, old people, don't go out. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that mean already. Right. Well, Otto, you get to talk about the lovely Texas weather. Yeah, you just said it. It was lovely. Mm-hmm. So it's like um, I couldn't, if I, made, if I made the day myself, I couldn't do any better. So it's like 65 degrees, breezy, and it continues to be that way. I noticed that small window of acceptability of weather where we are in the southwest. And so after this, it's going to be like, you know, somebody setting fire to your ass. But <laughs> now, right now, it's going to be enjoyable. So I'm going to enjoy it. 65, 70, it's great weather. Right, fantastic. And Nikki, how is the weather in sunny South Florida? Well, I am back home from Tallahassee, and it is 78 degrees here. It feels wow. good. It must be. I have no yeah. Excellent. So no rain, just, right. just sunshine? Just sunshine. All right. Oh, and I was looking down here, so I'm cursoring, cursoring down. I don't see a hand up, but I sure would like to know how um, how the weather is. Are you ready to speak and let us know how your weather is? All right, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's getting nicer, you know. I mean, spring is kind of kind of crawling in. It's not really a. Not yeah, really but but you're in Philadelphia, right? Yeah. So it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I don't know who told you. Uh-huh. That. Uh-huh. That's what the show said. Danny DeVito, Danny DeVito did. He said. Yeah, that's what the show said. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Okay, but it's crawling into spring. Has it been like, like you know, James was just saying for him, it dipped into what the 40s. Are you are you on the 50s, 40s? What is it looking like? 
Uh, yeah, it's like it's, it's bouncing out today. I think it was up in the sixties. But uh, wow, that must have been lovely. Yeah, but I sleep the most of the day, so. <laughs> okay, well, then, well, okay, <laughs> there you go. But still, you know, it was good. Probably wake up and see it looking so nice and feeling so nice. So yeah, I I envy you. All right, so let's get started. Now tonight, our topic is those shows, those iconic shows that if you haven't seen them, we look at you and wonder whether or not you need to be considering getting your black card revoked. Now, there are some things on this list, those iconic shows that are great shows, and some on the iconic list that are not so great shows, but they still are iconic. And um, we started talking about this, and I guess um, I want to start with Otto, because we started this conversation about these shows, I guess, about a month back. And some that he, you know, he has on his positive list that I'm kind of with my eyebrow up, but let's get started. So Otto, what are, I guess, the a few of the shows that you find that you need to have seen these in order to retain the use of your black card? Well, it depends. You want to go chronologically or you want to just go randomly? Um, however you want to do it. I like chronologically because it's, you know, it's in order. Okay. So some semblance of order. So, you know, television, right? So I, Amos and Andy, you know, the, 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 the uh, much discussed and, you know, the show that people say they, they never watch and shouldn't watch. But, you know, Amos and Andy is like the, 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 the beginning of sitcoms with black, with a mostly black cast. It's a uh, it's a basis, not a basis, but it's it's like the the first time that you ha you have a show like that where the cast is mostly black and it's a popular show. And I think that although a lot of black people back in the day, I think it's 1950s maybe, that the show was venerated by in the NAACP and other black leaders. It I watched it and it's not as bad as as it. You know, people talk about it. Um, it was a show where it's, it was, it was uh, based in Harlem, and so you saw a lot of black professionals and you know nurses and doctors and lawyers and soldiers, and, you know everything else. And you have one character called Kingfish on the show. That although he lives in New York, he sounds as if he came off the backwoods, the back piney woods, or someplace in God knows where. But you know, it, the, the origins of the show, everyone knows, it start. The, the title of the show is um, from from a uh, radio show that was a racist radio show back in the day. But the title of the show has absolutely nothing to do with the show at all. And so if, you, if you're if you you know into black sitcoms and you want to know the history of black sitcoms, I think it begins with Amos and Andy. All right. So Amos and Andy makes your list of iconic black shows that people should have seen. Has anybody yes, else not seen Amos and Andy? I haven't seen it. You've never seen it? No. Okay, okay. now I'm going to tell you, I'm one of those people that said I would never watch Amos and Andy, and Otto was the one who said, well, come on, so then watch Amos and Andy. And, you know, I understand why it is that many Black people at the time were offended by it, but you know we we are given you know the gift of time and perspective, and it's true that there's so many people on there 
you know, again, the judges, the lawyers, the doctors, the teachers, the, you know, everyday workers, you know, cab drivers who are normal black people. But then you have that one character, Kingfish, and then sometimes, you know, they kind of do things with his wife with Sapphire as well. And you know, to try to bring back kind of the more minstrelsy. But really, the show with the actors that are there, they really do a, a really decent job of doing what I think, because I mean, I wasn't there, but I would think to be the lives of Black people, you know, back in the 40s and 50s. So, you know, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I think you know shows like we'll talk about some of the other shows, the sitcoms of the seventies and eighties. Mm -hmm. The the plot lines and the, and the and the jokes all originate from Amos and Andy shows, mm -hmm. and you can watch these shows. They're on, they're on YouTube, and um, they I recommend it. It's quite funny. They're quite funny. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go up to the top, and I know you've got uh, a lot of things for us, but James. What do you think should be on that list of iconic shows? Okay, um, I have three. Okay, number one at the top of the list would be uh, Deep Space Nine. Okay, because of the fact that uh, Avery Brooks, he played a strong black character, mm -hmm. and he it also showed the strong bond between a black man and his son, okay? Mm -hmm. And also it's, um, maybe Sonia could probably help me out with that. There's the Black History Month episode mm -hmm. uh, Beyond the Stars. Yes. Where, where um, Avery Brooks was, uh, he had went back in time or, or whatever it was and he was a black science fiction writer. Mm -hmm. And um, that's that show, that episode is kind of like one of the catalysts that that had got me going as a writer. Wow. Okay. And the fun Easter egg is that um, when Strange New Worlds did their fantasy uh, episode, where the uh, the crew found themselves transported into a fantasy novel that the uh, doctor was reading to his daughter, it turned out to be a book written by that Kenny character, Benny, what was Benny's name? Oh, really? Yeah. So it was one of the Easter eggs. You show him reading the book and when he's opening up the book, you see it's written by Benny. Wow, oh. okay, that's cool. That is very cool. Okay, um, a uh, second show, you guys are probably going to have to look for it. It's an obscure Western, and it only ran for one season. Okay, the name of the sh It only ran for the 68-69 season on ABC. Mm -hmm. And the name of the show is, is a Western. It's called The Outcast. And I'm it starred Don Mary and Otis Young. And I think it was a bit... Even for the late 60s, I think it might have been too controversial for its time because what it's about is these two, I guess, gunfighters. Don Mary is white. Otis Young is black. Otis Young is an ex-slave and an ex-union soldier. Don Mary is an ex-Confederate. And um, I think his family owns a plantation. 
and I think it was ahead of its time and it was too controversial because Otis, the character that Otis Young played was a very strong um, black character, a, a black gunfighter. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's one of the reasons why I think it lasted only one season. Also, I think the backstory was the writers were kind of like trying to play it safe, but Otis Young wanted better writing, mm -hmm. you know, as, as, as a, a black character. So if you could go to YouTube, you could probably find it on YouTube. Like I said, it was only 26 episodes. The only round um, sixty eight, sixty nine season. Um, in real life, in real life, though, that 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 show would have lasted only one twenty minute episode because <laughs> Otis Young would have shot and killed that white man <laughs> from owning slaves. Yeah, and said, this show is over. Yeah, <laughs> you know, or 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 vice versa, because a lot of the the gunfighters back then that came for Texas were ultra uber racist mm -hmm. in fact some of them were i think one was on the run because he had after the civil war murdered a black police uh officer mm -hmm. um yeah so it was it was ahead of his time um i would also say uh maybe uh land of the giants I don't think Don Mitchell got enough credit for the character. Oh, yeah. Great show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I don't think he got enough credit for the character that he played. And if I could add a fourth, believe it or not, um, the TV version of Shaft. Huh. Yeah. It was, a, it was right after the last Shaft movie, Shaft in Africa. Uh, CBS talked Richard Roundtree into doing the Shaft TV show. And needless that to didn't, say, it, it didn't last that long. That didn't make it to Fort Lauderdale. Who on this, uh, on this show has seen that? Because I've never seen it. Not the Shaft right. show. It was on CBS, I think it was So what did you say, Cranston? I think it was, I know it was on CBS and I think it was like Monday at 10 o'clock, something like that. Well, that was past your bedtime. Um, if you ever <laughs> see that. What, what year did it come out? could have every day. You would never have seen it. it. Oh, it been past my bedtime. 73, 73. Oh, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, I had no, to go to bed. Your bedtime. I could have stayed up that late <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> I was aired on Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It don't make it no different whether it's Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. <laughs> this time I can exactly. stay past uh, nine. It's on a Friday or a Saturday. <laughs> yeah, no way. Uh -uh. No way. No way. Oh, they, they knew that. They knew that. They put it on mm -hmm. a Friday because for a long time, and the networks believed that if they had any show that uh, black people or poor people were going to watch, that's where advertising demographics went. They put it on Friday night because they said they're watching it because they can't afford to go out. Uh, yeah, absolutely yeah. true. I could, I was poor yeah. and black, and I was too young to go out. So yeah, Friday or Saturday was the day to put that up. Oh, okay. and, things are true. And, and and real quick, um, I've said it many podcasts ago. 
um, lost its face. And just about every time that you saw a monster on Lost in Space, that was, I believe his name was Dawson Cooper. Yeah, but is that truly iconic? Because we didn't actually know he was a black, black person. People. Well, yeah. now, was, now we know. Well, he didn't, <laughs> well, they would say he didn't do anything black. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to watch Lost in Space to get the black experience. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, 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 you know, but truthfully, yeah, to mention his name, at this time, you know, and say, yeah, and acknowledge his contribution. Well, Penelope, I want to go back to the chat show. We can, uh -huh. we, we can we watch this on YouTube or something? Nope. Well, maybe on YouTube, but officially IMDb doesn't say it's being aired anywhere. Mm, okay. So it's not even on Paramount Plus? But um, the Outcast oh. is mm -hmm. on Crackle. Oh, wow. Well, that's good to know. Well, thank you, Sonia. Okay, well, I mean, as I'm going across, across, and down, 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 uh, Howard, if you want to get in on the game, what uh, shows did you say are iconic for the Black experience? Now, I don't know if these uh, translate too well to today, but uh, I think Roots is one of the things. Oh, you know, I forgot oh, about that. Yeah. That everybody yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, <laughs> just thinking about LeBron Burton. <laughs> Card the other day, I was just, it just mm -hmm. came back to mind. So yeah, I would say Ruiz, and another one, and I'm not sure if it if it translates too well at this point, but uh, a different world was kind of fundamental. Oh Absolutely. yeah, no Absolutely. doubt. Absolutely. I think Absolutely. HBCU enrollment shot up after that. Yes, show. yes. yeah, show. Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, I think that definitely makes the list of iconic shows. And it was school breath. days, yeah, but at the same it. time. School days and, and different Yes, right around that. the same time. Yes. Right around the same time. Yeah, and it's also the same breadth that say the Cosby show when you say different world. Because I think that that is an iconic show as well. Yeah. You know, that, you know, the, the family, the black people living in New York, you know, middle class, you know, I mean, it's a far cry. And I remember back when it started that you had a lot of people, even black people, who think the black experience is, you know, one of those other iconic shows, good time. Mm -hmm. And you know that that's all we were. We didn't have expectations that there were black people who, you know, were not poor or who did it not- middle class either though, Penelope. It wasn't yeah. exactly middle class, so. Who? Uh, the Cosby family and the Cosby show. They were not middle class? No. What were they? They were upper middle class. Well, I mean, but still upper middle, it's middle class, just upper middle class. But yeah, the day, but still the concept of, you know, basically a family with two professionals in it and people act as if that was just like, you know, they're living on the moon or something, you know, that, that's a real thing. So I think that also is, you know, extremely um, important show, an iconic show. All right. Well, Howard, you got any more that you want to put out there? Uh... I, I that's, that's those are the, the two main ones that come to mind really. I mean, the only other thing that I think that every black person should watch is maybe Texas Chainsaw Massacre three. I have not even seen it. Please yeah. explain yourself. Well, because the black guy Ken Foree and that movie gets killed three times and keeps coming back. First wow, time, brother, survive a horror movie. Wow, wow, wow. First okay, time. I'll put it on our list. I'll listen to watch then. We'll put that on the to watch list. So to, <laughs> to, to watch that film, do I need to have, have seen the first two? 
It is absolute garbage, but Ken Faree will inspire you because he does not lie. All right. I'm watching that ish. <laughs> All right, Sonia, you're yeah. up. Um I can't remember what season she started in, but I love Diane Carroll when she showed up on Dynasty. Yeah. She's oh, the absolutely. first black bitch on Prime oh, Time. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're right. And, right. You gotta, and you got to go back and pick up her roots with Julia. That's what I was, I was following it up with. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Excuse me, Penelope and everybody. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I'm yeah. sorry to cut in. I'm going to have to get off now. I'm not feeling good. I'll talk to everybody next oh, no. week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. You know what Julia is? Julia is like the Perry Mason. He, he okay, went go and then he got shot and then became Ironside. Yeah. So then Ju- Julia started off as a nurse and then she married some rich guy and then she wound up a dynasty. So that must be it. Oh yes. well, well, you know, you know, you stand corrected with Perry Mason. Um, mm-hmm. There's a little spot. There's a spot in between. He was a he was a lawyer first. Then he decided mm-hmm. to become the the publisher of a magazine. Really? Yeah. There's a there was a short lived TV series called Kingston Confidential with with um, Raymond Burr. Oh, so after he decided he didn't want to become, he didn't want to be in, you know, in the media Publisher. anymore. That's when he moved to San Francisco and got shot. Ah, got shot. of yeah. course. That's of why course. he got shot. Yeah. 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 So Julia married one of her patients, rich patients, and became very, very rich with furs and diamonds and showed up on Dynasty. But she was she was fabulous. Man, I don't I don't know anything about Dynasty. I didn't ever watch the show. But you know, with the sisters in college, with watching Dynasty, oh my god, definitely show. Oh man, mm-hmm. oh what? man. When she Blake's sister. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Harrington's sister. Wow. I don't know how they worked that? And I don't care. But 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 she she went through a bad stretch of road because then she ended up in Claudine before she. Oh no. <laughs> oh, that's true. Claudine was before, yeah, yeah, yeah. before Dynasty. So yeah, she was this bad patch. Well, you know what though? Is Claudine is Claudine one of those black card movies? Yes, I think it is. I think it is. You know, I, I, I but, the, but I got to tell you again, and this is the other thing that we discussed when we started talking about these films, these television shows, the issue of perspective, that we have, um, the gift of perspective. When I was very young and Claudine was out, I mean, we, I mean, we loved that film. We had the soundtrack, like we played like relentlessly. Getting with the cookie on and on. Yes, yeah, yeah. All of it. I mean, we loved it. And when I was a kid, apparently, I would think we discussed this before, I had selective memory about certain scenes in this film. Because when I went back and watched it again as an adult, I was shocked by some of what went on in the film, the way that the children, you know, talk back to their mom and, you know, the cursing and stuff like that is, and I'll, honestly, I swear, I did not remember that from my childhood. I guess I just kind of blocked it out, but I didn't realize, you know, the lack of respect that they gave their mom, you know, was having to work, you know, like, you know, a dog, you know, to keep things going. So, you know, I didn't notice that. I didn't, I did not remember 
until we watched it again, I, and I did remember it, that, you know, Ruth had, you know, another family and had to pay child support, you know, to some other woman in some other state. And I had not remembered that until we saw it again as an adult. They made, they made a depiction of the Black family totally dysfunctional. And I know, I, I know. That, I remember that film um, a great deal. Yeah. It showed, it, you know, it kind of showed, you know, like my mom was a single mother with multiple, you know, children, but in no way, shape, or form did it resemble anything that I knew or, or, or grew up with yeah. at all. And no I mean, whatsoever. yeah, and when I saw Claudine, again, for the, the second time, was was you know, third time, maybe this time as an adult, and, you know, you think as a child, and I, I saw it, I thought of it more like, okay, you know, the, the ending, make love a happy home and stuff like that, that these two people, you know, these terrible odds are finding the, the name, the last line, the song, Ooh, baby, we can make it. And that's what I saw that I took from as a child, a very romanticized view of what that was. And as an adult, just saw the harshness of it. I mean, just completely, you know, um, difficult life, you know, and this, you know, single man, you know, walking into a family with a whole bunch of children who already, you know, were spinning off in other directions that were very, very difficult, you know. And so I thought it was, wow, you know, all these things could possibly go wrong that could break their backs if they still decided to make a go of it. Well, it's interesting with, uh, with Diane Carroll, because I remember in the documentary, she said how much hell she got from being in Julia. I mean, people were saying, you know, it's not it's not depicting a, a black life, a black woman's life, a single mother's life, and and so it was rejected by a lot of people in the black community. But her role of Claudine was more acceptable. Well, because you know, again, you know, if people have told you that that's the way that people are, that you're supposed to be, then that's acceptable. Or these are the people you know that they want to say these things. You know that old comedic routine where the person, they ask all these black people, well, did you see what happened? And they speak to each one of them and they speak cogently and, and you know, with, with focus. And then they get to go, oh, I see that thing over there. Oh, yeah, I see that. And said, oh, we got it. We found our guy. You know, this is the persons that they want to appear to be representative of who it is that we are. Even you know what? People, what, what that, that goes back to what I was saying some podcasts ago, that Hollywood and television production, they only focus on one type of the Black experience. Right. You know? And they don't understand that, again, we're not monolithic. Growing up in Bronx River houses, the woman that lived right across from, from our family, you can compare to Julia. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she, she was bringing her children up right, even though she was a single parent. Now, down the hall from us, we had the Claudine family, <laughs> okay, that was just constantly running, running amok, you know? So this is what Hollywood and, and you know, television do, does. They focus only on one type of Black person, unfortunately. Right. You know, that's, that's why, thank God, for a different world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Sonia, that was what, what, one, two, 
what else we have from you? Um, get Christy Love. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the other one. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one I told. Yeah, I told about that earlier today. She said, "Oh, yeah. I don't know about that." But yeah, Teresa get Christy Teresa Love, Grace. man. That's Teresa Grace. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're under arrest, sugar. Sugar. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> And for the movie version, you got um, anything, practically anything that uh, Pam Greer was on. And the right, Cleopatra Jones, you know. Yep. Don't me up. With that, it was Tamara Dobson. Yep. Cleopatra Jones. I mean, of course, I didn't see I any Cleopatra Jones films until I was an adult. I did. As a kid, I, where I wasn't you know, allowed to see Cleopatra Jones films. But I, I did see them as an adult. Yes. I snuck in and saw them. They were very bad. Way too young. I didn't have to see oh him. My, my mom took me to see him. She wanted me to see strong black women. I wanted to, but Cleopatra yeah. uh, Dobson's uh. martial arts were terrible. But you know, yeah. she, she was six feet tall, so she gets to do what she wants and wears cool clothes. So there. I had to sneak in to see those movies, y'all, because that you know, people running around with their tops off and people asses showing that that was not a thing that someone my age should have seen. <laughs> so I stuck it. We stuck it to the Fulton Street the theaters on and watched those movies that we should. Truck Turner, remember that Truck Turner? Yeah. yeah. Isaac Hayes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And those, and, and got, yeah, those those films as well. Can we say the entire the the total so-called black exploitation scene is a is a black card moment? Although I, I hate the yeah, term black of, exploitation. Yeah. Many of them I don't like. But I do understand that part of it, if you aren't seeing it, it's not really the black experience, but it is a experience of blackness that through the filter of a white media, that this is the you they want to tell you is you, even though it's not you. They want to eroticize and exoticize and noble savage you or regular savage you. But, you know, it's, it's almost like to watch it as a, um, point of view of what their wish fulfillment is as they watch us to be, you know, the um, embodiment of their own desires. But I like those films. Are you saying they were bad for us? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I mean, they're only, they're only bad, they're bad in the sense if you believe it's real. But if you believe that it's a fantasy created by someone, then, you know, fine, you look at it as a fantasy. But if you believe it's real, oh, yeah, it's bad. Well, I think it's uh, rather than call them black exploitation, just call them extremely low budget. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, it was movies that you could see people that you could identify with even distantly, even if it wasn't you, it was somebody you knew, it was your cousin who lived in New York, which that was a thing back in the day or back in my day is that you, if you moved to New York, you were automatically sophisticated just because you changed zip codes or something <laughs> like that. Then it got dialed back to, if you made it to Atlanta, that happened and everything. But I think that's what it was. That I don't think that people on one level took those movies any more seriously than the, the, uh, the thing that went along with the hidden, the Hollywood's hidden secrets for all the things that get nominated for Best Picture. Studios have always made their money off B and lower movies. That mm-hmm. was their bread mm-hmm. and butter. And mm-hmm. so, if you saw those movies and everything, you know they were just as uh, unrealistic as that. But you could see people you could identify with doing that. You didn't have to imagine that you were uh, 
Charlton Heston or uh, Gary Cooper or something up there on the screen, you could imagine that you were all of these other people that wouldn't get work doing something else except for the rare part where you're in the background. But um, you could see them being the center of attraction despite the really horrendous uh, production values like seeing microphones and lights hanging down in the frame on the film or the mm -hmm. characters calling each other by their real names instead of their character <laughs> names. Or when you they were, you nitpicky, <laughs> or when you're they're shooting day for night, and uh, where if you can't afford to you know put up lights and everything for night, you just put filters on the camera to make it look darker, but you still get the reflection of the entire film crew in a door somewhere. <laughs> looking in, 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 in other words, in other words, my kind of movie. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there we go. It doesn't yeah. matter if Pam. It doesn't matter if Pam Greer is walking around and holds the top. It doesn't matter really that whether the microphone is is peeking through the top. Does it matter? Yes, it does. <laughs> because they have people on on other movies and stuff. You have continuity supervisors. You have all these other people who are paid to make sure this kind of thing doesn't happen. But they they're going to film this thing in six days, which is about what you would do for a 45-minute television show. You're going to do an hour-and-a-half feature film in that time and on less of a budget. So it was good to see what they could do for that despite the flaws, and hopefully that helped raise the generation of filmmakers after that who would say, well, you know, we're going to do this, but we're going to do this a little bit better than that. Right, right. And the, one, the other thing, though, Penelope, that the so-called black exploitation movies engendered is, is the idea of a, the black law enforcement officer, the black detective or something that, you right. know, that that was going to make a difference. You know, if only right. we had someone from, from who looked like us reflective in these roles and, right. you know, then well, make a difference know, in our community. Well, you know, I mean, you say that, but it brings to mind again, Cotton Comes to Harlem, which, you know, as a kid, I saw it. And again, that, you know, um, the, the, what do you call it, selective memory of certain things. And I saw it again as an adult, I mean, less than five years ago, and was just stunned with the level of violence against women, especially the character that was played by Judy Pace. I mean, grown, you know, man, a, a police officer putting hands on her. And, and it's like, what the hell? You know, and this is stuff that, I mean, I remember seeing this film when I was young. I do not even remember those scenes. So I'm not sure whether or not they pulled them when um, they screened them when I was a kid. But I don't ever remember that level of, of violence, you know, a grown man putting hands on this woman like that. And so when, you know, our people see these things and they believe, again, that this is real and that it is not fantasy then, you know, you have the mindset that this is appropriate behavior. You know, the ends justify the means, you know, not the issue of process, but, you know, I want a thing to happen so I can do whatever I want to do to you to make that thing happen. And that becomes ingrained, you know, now, you know, not just police work for, you know, non-Blacks, but Black people as well. So it's very, very frightening now that I look at it and think that this is something probably buried in the back of my head, or maybe they just cut it out completely so we never saw it. 
but then other people saw it and they're reacting to this. And um, you know what? I I had seen. I was I was thinking about this the other day, but movies, television, and pop culture, the audiences received that stuff a lot differently back in the day. Like here's a Clint Eastwood movie where in the beginning of the movie he rapes a woman, and it's not even a major plot point. It's just it just mm-hmm. happened. And I'm like, you know, you couldn't, they couldn't make that movie now at all. Back then it was nothing. I went back and read some old Incredible Hulk comic books. Mm-hmm. The Incredible Hulk lands on this freeway and he's, of course, rampaging or whatever. And a civilian says to him, hey, get out of here, Hulk. It's a comic book, mind you. And Hulk looks at him and says, get out of my face or I'll kill you. Back then. You know, okay, watching old speed racer cartoons, and the guy would mow yeah. down people with a machine gun in the speed racer cartoon. Dead yeah. machine gun. You know, mm-hmm. 10 years later, G.I. Joe, they're firing laser guns that never hit anybody. We were just mm-hmm. I, we just took that stuff differently back then. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it was right, but I know that we didn't we didn't receive that stuff the same way. Mm-hmm. Now you watch television shows, and when the main character goes through something. He he he's traumatized for like five or six episodes. Back in the day, Captain Picard had one episode where he recovered from the board taking his body over. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just we, we definitely are different now. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the, the the genres have changed. I'm not sure what that means, but it's definitely different. Yeah. Well, I think I think you know Penelope and I was watching an old Betty Davis movie. And, and and Betty Davis is out in the garden, and this guy comes up from behind her, and he basically, you know, she's trying to resist, but he grabs both arms and he forcibly kisses her, and you know, and that's just that was a normal thing in 1945 Hollywood. Whether it was right or wrong is what people, the audience, was shown. They were shown that, you know. So, um, but again, it's it was like still wrong, like, but it's, yeah, it's more shocking to see it now than it was back. You know, yeah, because they years ago that's a, the, back then they thought that was, again, in the film, it was inappropriate. But I mean, I think it's clear in the film that it was inappropriate. But, you know, when we saw people, you know, I mean, even like what's his name to Turner Classic Movies, uh, Mankiewicz, you know, when this film starts and they're bringing it on, he doesn't say, oh, yeah, by the way, there's a triggering scene where man puts hands on, on this woman and, and pushes himself up on her. You know, and she basically doesn't have any recourse but to accept this treatment. And he basically says, well, I know that you, you know, you like me, you know, because I like you. And it means that because I like you, that means that you like me, you know, that kind of mindset. And I said to myself, my God, our poor men, our poor boys, you know, they watch this stuff and no one corrects it and says this is inappropriate. So in their minds, they think, okay, well, guess this is appropriate behavior. No different than as we talked earlier, you know, another topic, the same issue, another film, but same issue, the film Wall Street. Now we watched the film Wall Street and the film Wall Street with Gordon Gecko, you know, saying greed is good. And, you know, watch this. And, and at the end, Gordon Gecko goes to prison because, you know, he's a freaking criminal. But people don't get it. They think, oh, greed is good. And I want to, you know, do just like Gordon Gecko and flick my hair back and all this kind of nonsense. I want to wear the glasses and the clothes and have the money and the things. They think that that concept of cheating to get what you want, stealing to get what you want, 
taking for the people to get what you want is okay because greed is good. What they understand is that no, that's 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 the bad guy. That's the bad guy. And, you know, again, how is it that we take these things? How do we process? Well, well it's the same thing that happened with uh, twenty four. That at the time in twenty four is heyday. Um, that they were asking people at West Point, um, do you think torturing enemies for um, to get information was a good thing? And these are people who are going out to defend us, and they thought, yeah, that was a good idea. And, um, you know, so Jack Bauer would do things that probably violated, I don't know how many treaties and human rights and this kind of thing and stuff, but it was kind of okay. And we would even applaud him. I think there was one episode he had interrogated a guy uh, who turned out to actually be innocent, who didn't know anything, and he improvised a torture device with a hotel ice bucket and a lamp cord where he just ripped the cord out of the lamp, exposed the wires, doused the guy with water, plugged the uh, other end of the thing in and asked him a question and zapped him with the cord. Yeah. And and the, well, we know, the ends justify the means. You know, not things that have to do with process, but you know, that's another show. But still, you know, these this concepts that you know we have, I mean, they have meaning and stuff. And I know uh, we started getting off on this with Cranston. You know, you had your shows, and I have like your shows. Well, the thing is, I like the shows, and I, I recommend them because um, they would show for the first time they showed black people being not a confidant not the uh, wise maid, not the uh, mm-hmm. therapist for white folks and mm-hmm. stuff, but they were equal partners. And you didn't think about, well, this is a little unrealistic, but okay. And even though there's a lot to look at it again, but I think the first one was probably I Spy, yes. where you had uh, this these two guys who were, were both equal, we're both doing the same thing, and we're both, you know, and no, nobody is subservient to the other one. That was one. Desi Lou did a, a good thing of it because we had, of course, uh, Star Trek, where after after a half century of watching it, you begin to say, well, hey, wait a minute. There are a lot of things that they could have made a little bit more equitable. But mm-hmm. I guess for mid-1960s, that was all you're going to get. And of course, Mission Impossible, where you had a competent black man who, you know, they never had to, nobody had to double check his work. <laughs> he was moving along with everybody else. And the best thing that we didn't notice that was underground was he had absolute mobility. I know yeah. in the spook who sat by the door, they had said that, you know, if, if you a black man, a broom in a uniform, he can infiltrate any place because they just figure he's a janitor. But Barney was somebody who could go anywhere. He apparently spoke the language in whatever country they were in. He had his own business otherwise and everything. And, you know, you saw him twisting wires and putting things together. And somewhere in the back of your mind, you said, you know, I think I could do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the only episode I think that his blackness was hidden was when he was in completely in some um, clown face. Clown costume. costume and his face, you know, was white, all all white with the clown makeup. Mm -hmm. I don't think that any other, it's like any other country, in whatever country that the IMF team was in, you know, Bonnie, he didn't, he belonged. He just, he just fit in. Yeah. So it's either international businessmen or 
you know, it was there. I mean, because there are black people all over or the African world. or African student, African right. student, things that they put there. He was just the there. It's like no big deal. Nobody said, "Hey, what that black guy doing here?" Yeah, I think that's the thing. And I, in, in um, in um, Mission Impossible, you should get black people all over the world, you know, and doing things. They're not just, you know, in the United States dealing with civil rights issues. They're black people all over the world in their own countries, you know, doing things, you know, that they're people in power. So yeah. I thought that was always really great. He was in, he was the Eastern Bloc countries and Europe, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you know, Asia, Asian countries. It was, it was all over. And yeah. no one ever said, no one ever questioned his presence. Right, right. All right. Chris, anything else for you, from you? Uh, that's about it uh, for the, for the ones that I said yeah yeah watch that one that is that is that you can watch and even though they were not as bad as some of their other New York based shows, but it was Seinfeld because even though they did not have and they did not overrun the stage with black people, they would have black people sometimes and they would actually talk talk about their. Um, their shortcomings. There was an episode when um, George was uh, had weaseled his way into the uh, Yankees front office, and a guy came through and he called him by somebody else's name, and the guy said, "No, that's not who I am." And he says, "You can't tell one black person from another." And of course, George, being George and stuff, just proved that even more. But at least they were aware enough that these kind of things do happen. They did have missteps like the uh, Cuban, the Puerto Rican parade episode. Okay. was one that somebody should have said, let's not do that. But then they had another one where um, they were going over the ideas and they said, well, let's start this one in the uh, coffee shop or whatever. And somebody was supposed to say, do black people eat salads? Have you ever seen one eat a salad? And Larry David who says, no, no, we're not, we're not going to do that and stuff. No, we're going <laughs> to. Nope. That. So they were aware enough to know that, yeah, we are not quite as diverse as the real New York is and everything, mm-hmm. but it wasn't kind of like friends where they really didn't even, you know, I can't even remember seeing a person in Central Perk, like in the background with no lines, just, you know, I walk around, yeah, you know. So they were at least. So what co- you, are you kidding? Black people have time to walk around Central Park. <laughs> or clean it. Or job. Clean it or do anything else. No. Job to go to. No. Right. Right. Don't you have an unemployment line to stand in? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know, but I mean, there's. We started going through. You realize, yeah, there are several shows that we, you know, had on our iconic list, and we've gone through several a year. But um, I was trying to think, what are the other ones? I know that um, Nikki had to get off, but what are the well, ones? I'm just going to go off. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to go off. Okay, I'm going to say, I'm gonna give, okay. My I'm gonna, mama that she yeah, did. I'm, yeah, that's my mama. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of shows like that. Uh-huh. My mama, Sam, Sanford and Son, Good yes. Times, yep. um, Living Single, uh, mm-hmm. The Jeffersons, Rock. You know? Yeah, I forgot about Rock. Rock, all those, yeah, all those, the sitcoms, the black sitcoms. Yeah, and also, you know, Room 222. I thought was a real oh, good yeah. show that had. But is that a black card? Is that a black card show? Bro? I think it is because back in the day, it dealt with the issue integration, and that is part of our story, you know, with you know our black teachers and black students. Well, another one that goes along with that would be Boston Public. Okay, now is that the lawyer film, lawyer show. No, 
Uh, that was Boston Legal. No, Boston Public was the one with Sean uh, McBride and um, Denise um, Denise um, Nichols. She was uh, Denise Nichols. Yeah, and um, they covered some areas. Like I think this was still on the air when um, McWhorter's book about the N word came out, and they actually built an episode around that. You know, with a white teacher trying to teach about you know this part of history and all that kind of thing and stuff. And it did cover some issues that did, uh, that did exist, not, not maybe in, in the depth that they really exist and everything, but about things in school, about, you know, funding school oh. inequities, educational mm-hmm. things and things like that. Now, when you say that show that I think it's quintessential, iconic, my favorite, White Shadow. Those oh, yeah. guys. The, the the actors that played the players on the team, those guys, they were phenomenal. And how, you know, young black guys are not, you know, always, you know, some, you know, ignorant, thuggish, they're clever, they're smart ass, um, they uh, have problems, but, you know, some of them, you know, solve problems, but they were just run the gamut of being just guys. And I love that show. You know, that was one of my favorites. That to me, that is an iconic show. Of you know, these are you know, this this concept to try to push out there regarding young black men. I think that that thing just broke, shattered that um, concept. And just they're just guys. You know, they're the you know our friends, our relatives. You know, these are normal people that we knew. And, yeah, and they're acting like regular, regular guys. Regular like guys are the guys that yeah. we knew. And so I love that show. So to me, that, that is one of the... And they spoke, and they spoke the way black, black guys talk. They didn't, they didn't right. speak in a certain vernacular or said stupid things like jive turkey or <laughs> you know, any of those stupid things like that. You know, they didn't... didn't have con- the uh, condition that made them convulsively dance at every opportunity for no apparent reason. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think but I would go, but, but Penelope, I'll go back mm-hmm. and, and talk about one of um, Cranston selections. Mm-hmm. Seinfeld is it? I would challenge that and say, is that a show that that is, would depict any aspect of the black experience? Well, I don't I know. See that show. And I know we had a we started to talk about that. We never really finished discussing it because I also had Seinfeld on my list. And you, you started to say that you didn't think it should be uh, an iconic show, you know, with regard to uh, the black experience. And even though I think it's not necessarily a black experience, but there's so much of how it is that they interact with each other on that basis of friendships that ours are the same way, which is kind of like, you know, you said living single, having that same, you know, that they are mimicking a show that does show how it is that we interact with each other. And for that reason, yeah, it's like the way we interact with our friends because it's taken from a show though that shows how we interact with our friends. And there's one other, excuse me, one other thing about the show is that A, there were a lot of black people who watched Seinfeld but they wouldn't admit it to other people. <laughs> B, they would talk about something on the show and and people could find it relatable right it could be, yeah something like this happened and it's such it's such a shorthand until you can say 
just a, a line from the show somewhere and everything and people know exactly what exactly what you're talking about because you can you can remember a situation where you lost your car and you're trying to find it you couldn't get out or you kept waiting what shouldn't we have been called yet didn't they come in after we did and they got served first that yeah kind of yeah yeah so it, it was the kind of thing that showed uh that we are not that different from people it's not that big a mystery those same things happen to us too mm -hmm. you know the yada 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 everybody knows you know well if if if, if we're going by that then we should include the odd couple because i know I a lot of people that, yeah they a lot of people mentioned the pitch 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 in my yeah and I mean, but yeah, a lot of us, I mean, let's, let's face it, um, Carol Burnett, Bob Newhart, a lot of us grew up on that. A lot of us black kids, we talked about those shows because they were mm -hmm. part of our experience. And so, you know, even though you say that it's not quote, quote, the black experience, is it a black card show? Experience, but it is an experience that we all have. Well, I think in a way it is because it's part of our pop culture. You know, when we talk about these things, you know, how many of us right now, we broke out into, if I said, I'm so glad we had this time together that you could finish the entire song, you know, mm -hmm. because it's part of our culture as well. Or, you know? or how many of us also wondered why she tugged at her earlobe too. Yep. Yeah. We all know. We all know why. You know, so, but I, is it a black card? Is it a... Is it a what, what is the definition of black card? So let's, let's go think, back to the origin, right? Okay, well, I would think okay, first thing we say is that does it define, like you say, a portion of the black experience, either real or imagined, as I like to say? And also, is it part of our pop culture experience so that the way that we relate to each other has to do with, you know, these touchstones of these certain shows that we watched? And how it is that you know those characters related to each other you know if we you know if i said uh for instance you know how tony nelson and major healy you know interact with each other you know we would know what that was right you know yeah. and, and and that is part of you know, the conversation that you have with your friends and you know and i mean even if we went we started really drilling down you know, do you include with that things like our um, superheroes? You know, our, our comic books and things well, like that are part of those experiences. You gotta go, then you you got to go with, you know, um, people of a certain age. Remember when the Jackson Five came on Ed Sullivan? Yeah, I absolutely do. I was in first grade. Yeah, or or Don Cornelius and Soul Train. Yep, and Soul Train is iconic. You know, I mean, black no black art shows. Yeah, right. I mean, I would say even now, it's not even, it's um, only a short run, but uh, Sherman's Showcase, my gosh, that's, that, that would have been- But is that, a, is that a black card show? Because it's not readily, readily accessible though. And that's another problem that we have too, that we have these shows now that are absolutely iconic, but they're behind the paywalls. So, you know, these things that could be the um, source of, you know, raising our pop culture, um uh, vocabulary or lexicon we don't have them because only some of them some of us get to to interact with it what I mean, about frank's place yeah definitely frank's place but again that's a real rough one because 
you can't even get copies of Frank's Place anymore. You know, that that's a rough, you know, thing. and what a great show it was. You know, but you, it's hard to get it. Yeah, and, and then it's a it's a regional thing too, because if you were to talk to a, a black person in New York City of a certain age, and you mentioned video music box, they would know what you're talking about, and they would reminisce it because video music box it used to come on NYC, and it was it showed videos especially at the start of hip hop. Yeah, you got to go to that special channel. That's all. <laughs> off the grid kind of channel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, but I also know the thing that we have to, I mean, we don't have, but you think about a bit is the early on anime that all of us watched growing up. Are you talking oh. about Speed Racer? Speed, Speed Racer is an automatic black card. Yeah, Speed Racer. I mean, I say Prince Planet, but everybody obviously has not seen Prince no, Planet. No, 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 no. <laughs> everybody in my family see Prince Planet, but somehow the rest of y'all missed it. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I was outside playing if it came on in New York. <laughs> okay. I'm, making, I'm making mud pies, so I must have missed that. But you know, but you know, but also one that I think all of y'all have seen that you know is like pop culture references: Kimba the White Lion. Oh yeah, you know those things that you know all of us watched, all of us knew, and you know, and because a lot of them, I think, we didn't think of them as you know mass market shows. In fact, I thought basically when I saw things, especially like Kimba and stuff like that, that only black kids were watching it. Those are the only kids I talked to about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't think anybody else watched it. Yeah, and and once again, like James said, the regional. I think these are regional shows. Because when I was a kid, I didn't travel too much outside of New York City. But there's a show called The Magic Garden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. you're a kid. You know, your, your parents would put you in front of the TV and say, watch this. You know? <laughs> because they had to do things more important than take care of you. So, you know, <laughs> The Magic Garden, you know, and, and, and Romper Room. Anybody remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Are those black card shows? And yeah, they never, black. ever called my name. I just want to let you all know that. <laughs> never. They never saw me in the magic mirror, and I just want to let you know that that never happened for me. Reading what? Rainbow. Real name? Because wouldn't it be close to your name? What name? It, it was always well. We had Miss Penny, so Miss Penny wasn't that far from Miss Penelope. So I mean, could you? No, been no, like, no, no. All these other people that? with these other names that you know nobody should be able to pronounce, and they get their <laughs> name called. So no, they have to do it right. Do it right. Also, you know, it just you know all these um, those little shows like that. And I wonder. I mean, well, Romper Room, I did not really identify with because all the time on Romper Room, it's like you didn't really see any black kids. I saw it was these classrooms full of um, mostly Anglo kids. So I didn't, I, I didn't see color. I didn't see color for nothing. I didn't see color. I just saw a room full of kids running around. I said, that's my thing. Oh, but you know what? <laughs> Captain Kangaroo always, to me, was one of those shows that even though it's not like your black card show, it was definitely a a cultural icon. And of course, the, the king. Mr. Rogers. That's right, the king, Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers mm -hmm. being, being going all out, sharing a, 
waiting pool with Officer Clemens. Yeah. Yeah. Back before when there was folks were being kicked out of public pools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this this that guy, you know, he was he was something else. I mean, he was a juggernaut. I mean, talk about people with soft power. That that guy. Yeah, wow. you know, I mean, you you would get you could get the most hyperactive kid in the world to pitch up in front of Mr. Rogers. He was like a giant quaalude, you know? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Valium, but okay. Yeah, I was going to go with Valium, but all right. Yes, but you, know what, you, know what's a, you know what there's a really good black card show that doesn't count anymore because it's not on? But during the time it was on, if you weren't watching it, you definitely got your card removed. If you weren't watching during the 80s, the Oprah Winfrey show, yeah, yeah, that was a thing. That definitely was a thing. Yeah, I was yeah. not a big Oprah Winfrey watcher, but yeah, I watched it. Everybody had to. You did. It was in between classes. Yeah. In between right. classes. Yeah. yeah, we watched her slide up and knock knock off everybody, beating people like she was moving through a video game. So she got to Phil Donahue. Mm -hmm. like the the boss boss. Yeah. yeah, the boss yeah. fight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. Yeah. And yeah, that was the death. Well, let me ask you this though. Mm -hmm. this, this doesn't have a black person on it once again, but in one of these shows that that you shamefully say we all share um some aspect of it, but the Jerry Springer show. Okay, now <laughs> everybody <laughs> a lot of black people have seen that show, right? A lot of black people been on that show. <laughs> <laughs> Did I see on that show back in uh, 1993? Uh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Well, there, there are a lot of things that we that that we would that we watch more episodes of them than we would care to admit. Like there are a lot of people, a lot of black people who watch the Beverly Hillbillies, and you can't get yeah, much. Yeah, I think yeah, but that definitely a lot of people watched it. Especially when you used to have Granny in there talking about the stuff that she's cooking, and she I remember as a kid some of the stuff that she would say she was cooking with things that I know relatives that I had talked about cooking. So there was that kind of touchstone there, you know, with them being from the hills and cooking, you know, some of those uh, um, fricasseed possum. Yeah, possum. Chit chitlins uh, and grits. I don't know about yeah. the possum thing. Yeah, chitlins and stuff. Yeah, so I thought that was, yeah, absolutely. Barbecued raccoon. <laughs> okay, man, that. nobody. Hey, no. keep that now. <laughs> so if you're going to eat a vacuum, is it is it mandatory to put also barbecue sauce? <laughs> <laughs> it's because by the time I have, I'm getting the point where I have to eat a raccoon, yeah, yeah all bets are off. I said, I will not consume this raccoon unless exactly. you get the correct barbecue sauce. No, so if, okay. if, if I have gotten to the point where I'm eating a raccoon, that means that we have run out of pepper and salt and every other seasoning because I've already eaten those as food. Well, I, 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 I hate to tell you these, this, my friend, but I have a friend that hangs out. He's a older. He's older than me, and he hangs out with um, a lot of uh, people from the south. And during the holidays, yeah, he sent me a picture. Of, he sent me a picture of of a skinned raccoon in a pot. They was getting ready to cook. 
I don't know who okay. those people are. Those people are crazy. Okay. People. But you see, the problem yeah. is the problem there is what wine do you pair with raccoon? Crassy, you silly. You know, a Pinot, a Pinot, Pinot Grigio. You know that. Maybe with a Zinfandel, perhaps. Why do I have to explain it? Why do I have to explain these things to you? What about Ripple? Sangria. There you go. There you go. The ice cold bud. Or the or the the ubiquitous Kool-Aid. Which goes with everything. Cleans the palate. Yikes. Oh, well, I mean, if, I mean, I, but I think you know when we talk about these these shows, and again, you know, there are some that you know have you know people of color, black people in them, and some that don't. But still, we're gonna miss out though, Penelope. Which one? In which way? Sister, sister. Oh, I forgot, sister, sister. Shame on me. And that's so Raven, because when mm -hmm. I have young kids, there's certain shows like that that you know they they all watch. And the Cheetah Girls. Oh my gosh, my daughter did not. Yeah, but you know, oh, going to sister. Yeah, yeah, the Cheetah Girls. One Cheetah time girls. I got a, a call from school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my daughter was in the the principal's office because her group of friends were fighting another group of girls because they wanted to claim the name Cheetah Girls. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. That Cheetah Girls thing was for real. My daughter was into it. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean that that is the hill they would die on. Little cheetah girl. Yeah. And the other thing that's a, that was a, just universal for your mothers and everything was any soap opera. Yeah. My mom was not a soap opera watcher. Really? We were not soap. No, my mother never watched them. Um, we of course most every babysitter, however, in the world that you had watched soap operas. Or aunts. Or aunts. Or aunts. Yeah, aunts. That watched mm -hmm. them. My mother never watched them. We watched, of course, growing up, um, of all my children and oh, yeah. years yeah. of our lives, you know, every General night. Hospital. Oh, yeah. You know, but see, I never really watched General Hospital. I know a lot of Remember the wedding? Watched. Remember the wedding they had between who and who? I forgot. Luke and Laura. Luke and Laura. Yeah. Oh, God. It made me so sick. Yeah. Where actual viewers was like in real gifts to the uh, stoop to CBS. I think they were on CBS. Mm -hmm. In real gifts, like we're talking about, like you know, silver tea services and all this kinds of stuff. So yeah, that just goes to show, man, the kind of people that watch those shows. But yeah, yeah but that, remember, but remember the thing, the Luke and Laura thing, was that remember the song "Rise," Herb Alpert song. Yeah, that, mm -hmm. that was remember the song. Of Luke and Laura, where Luke raped her. Yep. Which, which that no, see, see right there, I could never understand how how people back then could get into that. He raped exactly. her. Yes, he raped her. Did he marry her? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's what I was asking. I said, wait a minute, what the what the? He raped her, F and then he married her. Yes. What the triple F is going on? Oh my god! An honest woman of her. Yeah. What? Right. No, I oh mean, my yeah. god, it's like some damn Islamic country. I mean, but you know, but, to, but well, you know, mm -hmm. that these people, you know, write these things and 
I was like, I could not sorry. watch that show. I did. How could you watch that show? I did you marry your rape? Yeah. How can anybody? Oh my God! I did not know that till just now. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, that was that was the thing back then. I I remember at that time I was working for doing the census, and people were actually bringing portable TVs to the job to watch that. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. the other thing that happened is there's a whole, there are whole uh, generations of kids who were named after whoever was the hot couple on the soap operas at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of Luke and Lars, and that tradition kept on right up to Jack and Rose. You know, so oh, oh, going going in another direction. Okay, my oldest son is named Montel. Where do you think he got that name from? Okay. Probably Montel Jordan, the singer, not Montel Williams. Montel Williams. Oh my lord! You named your son to Montel Williams? I did it. His mother did. Okay. <laughs> nope. Nope. I nope. I had no. I had nothing to do with that. Wow. Yeah, pre-COVID brain. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> did, she, did she say why she chose that name or why that? I name? left it alone. I left it alone because I knew why. I just kept it moving. I love him. That's that's my <laughs> that's my son. Well, a name is a name, you know. Rose, Rose, any other name is still. Actually, um, I prefer but to call him by his nickname, Telly Tells. Yeah. Okay. Doctor Bowers. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. No so, Kojak. No Kojak references. No. Look no, that, that telly tells come from Montel. Oh, okay. Uh, Lord help me. <laughs> Lord help you. <laughs> yeah, I said, well, I was hoping it's Montel Jordan, the singer. No, no, no you, you guys just got a you guys just got a snapshot of my life. <laughs> Reflective of pop culture. Yes. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you, though, I think that the um. There's so much out there that, you know, even as we talk and you remember more and we remember more shows that we think, you know, have, you know, that a part of the experience, the general experience and, uh, you know, a lot of black cultural uh, references and shows that we, you know, we talk about, we say a line, you know, for instance, you know, what is it? The, the, the thing is like the, um, Ooh-wee. you know, we know, you know, oh, that's my mama, yeah, of course, you know, Paul Ted Lang, oh, yeah. was a, a Shakespearean trained actor. Yeah. Take those roles. yeah, I know. The other thing about it is that the, the uh, illusion is that, or the, 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 uh, the, the almost trope is that all black people love every black show that was on the air. And right. no, they're Definitely not true. My mother absolutely hated Good Times. My mom she, too. She, just to complain about it, it was like the original hate watching because <laughs> she was saying that these were poor people who instead of doing something about being poor, they just sat around and wallowed in it every week. And that was something <laughs> that real poor black people did not, you know, could not see that and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to get out and get a job, do something and stuff instead of all of these zany adventures you have in every week. <laughs> zany adventures. Zany <laughs> your mother, your mother took, yeah, yeah, your mother took it seriously, man. She done played around. Yeah. 
Well, you know what though? I was thinking like what's the Amen with uh Amen. Amen. Yeah. 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 yeah, which I thought was, you know, at the time is you know, was what it was, but you know, it was harmless, you know. It has a lot of vaudeville le- level type comedy in it, which I used to mm-hmm. that used to tickle me. I I love what the physical comedy, you know. Broad comedy, broad. Yeah, I do. I really like mm-hmm. that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I would enjoy that show. That's two two seven. Yep, two two seven. Which was on the same time as uh, Amen. Yeah, it was like conjoined. You know, this show, black shows are like conjoined shows, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, one comes on and then another comes on. Yeah. And that's where Regina King got her start. Yeah. So they would show That's My Mama and they also show What's Happening. They were like together, kind of conjoined Mm -hmm. shows. Yeah. What's Happening to me was like, that that was one of those shows that, you know. (laughs) Well, it came for Cooley Hot. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. It was the paycheck. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Cooley High is a black card film, is it not? Oh yeah. Yes. And it's every Spike Lee is every Spike Lee film a, a black card film? Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, some are, some are not. The ones that are, uh, like um, School Days, of course, is. She's got to have it. Mm, I don't know about that. Not really. Yeah, but School Days is. She's uh, got to have it. Not a black card movie. I don't think so. I don't think a lot of people necessarily have seen it, or you know, will see it because it really isn't good. I mean, the it really is not a good film. <laughs> what is the other one? Do the right thing. I think is. Um, is that a black card film? Yes, I think it is. Of course, Malcolm um, X. Right? Malcolm X, yes. Hmm? Hollywood Shuffle. Oh yeah, Hollywood yeah. Shuffle. Absolutely, Definitely. absolutely. There was and, Robert Townsend. Yes, yeah, but mm-hmm. Robert Townsend. But also, Meteor Man, I think, is one of those. Um, is that a black card film? I don't. I think it is for children. Like if you have kids, I think it is. You know, I mean, I would put that as a black card film before I put like Space Jam, even though there's a whole lot of basketball players in it. I would put that is a black card. That. That Space Jam. Unfortunately, it's a black card. Well, yeah, but I, I would put Meteor Man before. Hmm. I have never seen either Space Jam, nor do I ever intend to. Wow. Well, we were, taking, we were taking hostage by children. Yes. Season. Yes. It was a hostage situation. Um, mm. Children Tears rope you into the theater, and you watch Siskel and Ebert in order to get an idea of what do I got you know, myself into. And Siskel and Ebert said, oh, oh it's so good. It's so good. And then I get there and I'm sitting there and I'm like, yep, I'm gonna kill Siskel Ebert. This is <laughs> garbage. This is like one of the worst ones. I mean, man, I guess like you look at your spouse and you say, you know what? Obviously, I love my children more than my own life. But I'm still <laughs> sitting here. You know, that's how but bad I think, it is. I think Space Jam is, a, is, is, a, is one of those uh, films where. Iconic films. Yeah, you got Jordan in there. Yeah, you got a lot of the, you got a lot of the, um, the dream team in that film. Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm buying it. No, I'm buying. Okay, I'm with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put Preston's Black Thought under, under review. 
Uh-huh. He don't want to watch the show. Yeah, we're going to review his credit mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bring you in like they did Malcolm McDowell and Clockwork Orange. Yeah. You can say you saw it, but if you have anything volunteer to do with it, say never did. I did it, but not voluntarily. No. Uh-uh, say, oh, no. wow. It's okay. Instead of taking this movie kit out, buy you two ponies. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. How, how about Get Out? I think Get Out is. I think Get Out is, yeah. is certainly iconic. Um, and, 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 you know, from my point of view, probably the only thing he has done so far that I think is, I think we had a lot of, um, expectations for Nope. And I think Nope, oh, they had a lot of fits and starts, a lot of good pieces of it, but I feel like they weren't all pulled together. But I mean, just a lot of really good pieces, you know, but just, you know, it wasn't pulled together. And I, I, I don't know. And I just, I got to say that I don't think Kiki Palmer did her best work in Nope. Yeah. How about uh, Water, Watermelon Man or Sweetback? Oh, man, Watermelon Man. Sweetback song. I, that, that, Melvin that, that, Van, Melvin Van Peebles. Sweetback, badass song. That's got to be one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life, but I'm sure that it's probably on somebody's list of iconic films. Uh, it was, again all over the place you know all over the place and i understand that he was trying to show you know some concepts of the black underground you know in the arts and stuff like that as he was doing it but mm, i don't know i don't know anybody else got any opinions on sweet sweet back badass i would i would i would say it's a a a black card film for two reasons Mm -hmm. Um, number one, it's kind of, I wouldn't say was the original black exploitation film because some people would say Putney's woke, but, um, yeah, it's there. And also the fact that I do remember when it came out, it was a lot of people talking about it in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I remember people actually reading the, um, the paperback that came out about hmm. how uh, Melvin Van Peebles came out with a paperback on how how he shot the film. Mm-hmm. You know, back then a lot of people were reading it. In fact, somewhere in my closet I have that paperback. Hmm. You know? um, so yeah, I would put that on there. And getting back to She's Gotta Have It, I would say it would be a black card film because that film it was a lot of debate about it back then. You know, mm-hmm. some people liked it, some people didn't. You know, some people liked the content, some people disagreed with it. So, yeah, I, I would put it on the list too. Before you go on, one thing about why she's got to have it is that we discussed earlier about, you know, how different audiences see different things. Do you think that the concept and the and the sexuality of, of a black woman? Would it be seen the same way today as it was back then when she's got to have it first came out? No, no. Pretty, pretty, pretty much these days, I'm just going to pick a year. Anything before 2000 and maybe 18 or 17 is looked at different differently these days. 
I mean, in which way do you think it's differently? In that, you know, with with she's got to have it. I would think that. Um, remember, this was before uh, social media. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guarantee you, if that picture was to be made today, it would be a lot of backlash on social media. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, we had a, a semi semi conversation about something like that today. That you know, nowadays, young people especially, they see something they immediately judgmental. Um, we, we were talking about a song. I can't remember the name. It's something done by the Cardigans, and basically, you know, my young daughter, who's in that age group, was saying how this is, you know, a song. It's about you know abuse, about this you know woman some step on me. I think it is something like that. It's, yeah. it's about you know abuse and stuff like that. I said, no. Uh, that's from your perspective. This she's saying, step on me. She gets to do that because she's grown. And yeah. what's going on in other people's relationships don't have any, you don't have any business making a determination of whether or not this abuse. Once she says, don't step on me, and the person continues doing it, then that's abuse. Yeah. So I, she, I, I mean, if like if the Ohio players were to come out with the album covers that they did back mm-hmm. then. Yep. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think people yeah. now are so much more straight-laced. And the thing that's so crazy about it, the ones who are more straight-laced are the ones who are further left. But, on the, yeah. other hand, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, people love WAP. So I think it depends on whether you frame it as being something empowering or something yeah. exploitive. Right. Yeah, but the thing is, it's not an issue of framing something as empowering or exploit. I mean, I, think, I I see what you're saying, but in a situation where you have two people in a relationship, and if somebody says, you know, what is that? We used to say the mask is a dream theme, you know, Teddy, um, Teddy Pendergrass, you know, turn off the lights, you know, light a candle, you know, put some hot oil on there. <laughs> it's hot mm-hmm. oil, we just like, you know, all these things that people say they want other people to do to them is their business. And people become very you know, judgmental about what other people want to do, what grown folks, consenting adults choose to do. And it's it's become, I think, just overbearing. It's really, really much. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gotten kind of out of control these days, you know. Um, Unfortunately, with with me, I'm a 20th century man living in the 21st century world. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and when when see, you gotta look at like this. All of us on this panel, mm-hmm. our with our upbringing, we are a little more hard shelled than people these days. Yeah, and I think also it's because we came up with the women's rights movement, you know, with the civil rights movement. And so we, you know, we were growing up, you know, our, you know, parents, grandparents, uh, aunts, uncles, you know, we prepared psychologically for war when yeah. we go out into the world. And a lot of people right now, you know, it's like they're not prepared psychologically yeah. for war. I mean, even like for anybody to say the insanity of, oh, my gosh, you know, Blazing Saddles has all these, you know, oh, things in it, are these hurtful things that should be canceled. Which it's is like, another, which oh is another God. black card. Which is another black card movie, isn't it? Yeah, like, exactly. By exactly. The way, by the way, by the way, mm-hmm. 
Well, that's yeah. the thing that gets so crazy for me is because I, I always always like blazing sales and look at all the things that are seeing appropriate and I'm trying to be, well, I'm trying to see where people are offended by them and I really can't. I mean, mm -hmm. you know. Come on, Craig. Really? You can't? You yeah. Can't, you can't see? There's so many I, things that are so offensive in that but movie. That's thing, but that's the whole point. That that's the so point of it, right. That can be so offensive that it's a joke. It's just like doing springtime for Hitler in Germany and the producers. You mm -hmm. know, the thing is so offensive that it's it's ridiculous. It's comical, you know, and these are just words and the words, you know, it's that we we had to do the sticks and stones that break my bones, but words may never hurt me. That's what we grew up with. And now everybody is so, oh my God, somebody said a thing and my feelings are hurt. It's like, I'm I think that movie is so that hurt people. But yeah, Blazing Saddles is all about offense, I think. And that it, it can be a joke. That things that people say offensive can be a joke. Now, certain things that people say that are offensive are meant to hurt. But those things were not meant to hurt. They yeah. were meant to be, you know, just explore the fact that the people say a thing and then they do another thing. Or that these are the bad guys. You know who are saying these things. Well, let, let me let me say something about this, but Penelope, let me say this. I remember being in a in a in a, in a on a bus. We were traveling to someplace that you know I was working with uh, some finance dudes, finance group, and so on the bus they were going to play you know a movie, Blazing Saddles, right? And so one of the executives came to me and said, you know, we're going to play Blazing Saddles because I'm the only black guy on the a black person on the bus is that going to be offensive to you? And I was offended. They would come to me and ask me whether I'd be offended by it because I think that a lot of people look at Blazing Saddles as being, you know, people don't take it the way that it was intended, right? right. Yeah, I mean, for us, like, what this was, this is a comedy, you know, and I mean, even like the other day, we were talking about the fact that there is an episode. Uh, with Bob and David, that you see, and what is what? It's a peacock. Now, what is it with Bob and David? David on Netflix. Netflix, and there's an episode, episode three, of with Bob and David that they've pulled off of Netflix because there's a part in it where David Cross is in blackface. It is a skit, a sketch, a skit, a sketch that also has um, what is his name, um, Keegan Michael Key, you know, as a police officer. And the, this character that David Cross is playing, he's like this overbearing, ridiculous guy who's trying to prove that you know, the police are uh, treating people you know, badly or whatever. And so he goes through all these machinations and then puts himself in blackface to start something with this cop who's a black cop. And so they pulled that because they said, oh my gosh, he's in blackface. It's like, but it's the context, y'all. And people act as if context doesn't exist anymore. In the context of what it was that was being done, it was funny. It was hilarious. It wasn't somebody, you know, like Al Jolson, you know, putting on blackface, like I'm pretending to be a black person where everybody in the audience watching. And, black, and Jolson put on a black wig, too. Yes. Yeah, a wig, a black, it's like a, 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 supposed to be a nappy hair wig to pretend to be a black person, you know, and put hand, which on his hands and everything. And, you know, but it wasn't like I'm here so that we're laughing together. You're laughing with us. 
is so that people would laugh at him, i.e., mm -hmm. laugh at us. Yeah, well, that, saying that though. That, well, saying that right. though. Mm -hmm. What about what about what about Birth of a Nation and uh, is that a black car movie? Not that yeah, it shows Birth, us. Birth of a Nation is just plain propaganda. Mm -hmm. That's that's not even that's not even a film. That was that's just straight up propaganda. But what I was going to say is that look at Monty Python. Mm -hmm. What they did back then, they cannot do now because people would take it the wrong way. And Monty Python, their thing was to offend everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Now, if you look at something like, like uh, the Benny Hill show, yeah, that's the problem because it was just overly sexist. Sexist, yeah, it's very sexist. Okay, well, it's, like, well, it's not sexist; it is sexually inappropriate. Yeah, it's vaudeville, isn't it vaudeville yeah. though? Yeah, it's just just sexually inappropriate. It's not sexist; it's sexually inappropriate. But again, it's vaudeville over the top. I watched Benny Hill when I was growing up, and I guess it's because. You know, this is the, you know, we were like in the throes of the women's rights movement back then. And, you know, feminism, you know, power, you know, the people. So I always figured that, you know, if I'm a woman, I'm equal to some guy doing the thing. You know, you know, I don't have a lot of those kind of hangups that I find a lot of people currently have. And that I, to some extent, it's hard for me to understand. You know, I, you know, I think. Even uh, myself and Otto have conversations regarding things like, uh, you know, the casting couch thing, like with Weinstein. And he says, you know, how, you know, he should not have asked. He should not have, you know, presented that, you know, offer to his women. And I feel like, well, you know what? They're grown and they should have said no. <laughs> that If you didn't want to do it, then say no. I do not want that role, Mr. Weinstein, under those circumstances. Other people said no. You could say no too. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm I'm quite sure back in the day, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, you had women that said no. Yep, and you had some like Lucille Ball who said yes. You know, and and so you know what she said. You know, I've done what what worse, less less. I've done but more for less. You know, so. You know, it's like you got to make decisions, and I think if it's one thing to me, if you impose yourself on a child, but you know you are an adult, and someone says, "Hey, do this thing, or you won't get this role," and you say, "Oh no, well I have to do this, otherwise I'm not going to get this role," you know, no, you just don't get the role. Man, I'm going to the offer. And my thing was the offer shouldn't have been on the table. Exactly, but you know what? I know this sounds insane. But when I was, I mean, I think a child, child, I mean, like preschool child, when I was a kid, and I remember my father saying a thing to me, basically, if somebody puts a gun to your head and they tell you, uh, you have to do this thing or I am going to kill you, then what options do you have? And the options is, is not that you have to do it, otherwise they'll kill you. No, because you have the option to be killed. So that is the other thing. You always have an option. The option is to not do it. So, that sounds like a very Vulcan thing to say. But, but you know what? 
that's how it was brought up. That, you know, there is a thing here and your option is, I'm gonna put this gun to your head and I'm gonna pull the trigger if you don't shoot this guy and kill this other person. It's, oh no, well, what can I do? This is gonna kill me if I don't shoot this guy. So then be killed, <clears throat> then be killed. Cause that is your option. You don't have to kill that person. You choose to kill that person because the other thing, the other option is something you don't want to do. You don't want to die. So you'll kill that other person. So, but don't say somebody made you do it. You chose to do it. So that's, you know, kind of, you know, I, I, you tell you that I was like four years old, four years old when, when I was, when this discussion was had with me, I was four years old about taking responsibility. So I don't, you know, so that's ingrained in me is that that would be a very hard thing for me to, you know, go back on. I think that, you know, again, somebody says, you know, casting couch or not. So you, so you think a Hobson, you think a Hobson's choice is actually a choice. <laughs> well, Hobson's choice is no choice. No, it's a gun to your head or do it. No, it's that's just called a Hobson's choice. No, Hobson's choice is that there's a horse at the door. And so you bought the horse, you get the horse that's nearest the door. That's a Hobson's choice. That's a different thing. That's a Hobson's choice. There's no choice, really. It's that's the end of your life. The end of your life is a, is, a, is a choice. That's no choice. It's not a choice. It's an option. It's, I know you're saying it's an option, but when you put somebody's life on the line, that's not a choice. If, if, it's a Hobson's choice. It's the definition of a Hobson's choice. You know, but you know what? Things are, I'm not saying that you all have to do what I would do. <laughs> no, I'm You don't have to be life. responsible for your own your, your choices. <laughs> that's up to you. I'm responsible for mine. I don't, you know, I don't say, oh, it's, it's a very Vulcan thing to say. It's very, to me, it's a very, you know, I can, I can imagine Spock saying something like that. You know, <laughs> I, I, I think if it was a choice, they wouldn't need to put the gun to your head. If that, you know, that's that's what that's to eliminate your choice. I don't have to pull the trigger, but you know, if you don't, don't do <laughs> well, what I say, well, then yeah, it but result again, in the trigger being pulled. But again, it's like a question that we had about something we had been watching. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head right now, but I'm sure I will. Where the issue was, hey, oh, I remember what it was. It was the guy who said that he killed. Jimmy Hoffa and said that the Irish yeah. the whole concept that mm -hmm. okay if you don't kill Jimmy Hoffa then we will kill you well and so we kill Jimmy and we'll kill Jimmy Hoffa so I said what if you're gonna kill, give, kill Jimmy Hoffa anyway the fuck go ahead and kill him what can you bring <laughs> him to it for you know if you were gonna kill him anyway why bring me no we want it? you to do, we want you to do it so, you know what so you want me to do it great and so if I say no, you said, well, they're going to kill you and Jimmy Hoffa. Then, yeah. well, kill Jimmy Hoffa then. What do you need me for if you're going to do it anyway? No, it's a, it's a package deal. It's, it's a, a package know, deal. I don't want to say, look. If you don't do it, yeah. if you don't do it, then we'll get you both. That's or you could do the, or you, or the choice of, of, of you do. Not yeah. doing it. Not doing it. It's just not happening. Is it because you've already told me now that you would kill Jimmy Hoffa yourself. So now that's said, I'm definitely not doing it. No, 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 no. We're killing you both. Anyway. Well, no, 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 we're killing you both. That's what I'm there's saying. No, there's no scenario <laughs> where, there's no scenario <laughs> where, no, understand, there's no scenario where you and both, there's no world that will exist when you and Hopper are going to both live. 
I understand that. So you decide your choice. No, no, but you're saying that the in this world, either Jimmy Hoffa is gonna die or me and Jimmy Hoffa are gonna die, right? Right, right. So since you already told me this, then that pretty much means that you're gonna try to kill me anyway, right? Ah, uh, no, just go ahead and kill Jimmy Hoffa on your Only own. Only if you don't kill Jimmy Hoffa. When you uh, no. <laughs> it's okay. Wait a minute, let's, let's look at this a different way. Say a person is on a train in Chicago with a raccoon in a pot, right? <laughs> and you're on a train. No, 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 wait, wait, York, wait, I want to hear this song. And you're on a train with in New York with a knife and fork and a plate. How many miles <laughs> before the two trains meet that you have the choice? Man, I thought you were gonna say something, man. What you trying to say? <laughs> Well, I thought you were doing like an SAT. I thought you were going to do an SAT logic question or something. They come up with that. He's just trying uh-uh. to make you the He's trying to make you yeah, raccoon. No, no. He's watching eat that raccoon. That's all. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'm not eating no raccoon. That's a choice I do have. I'm not doing that. Not raccoon. <laughs> He's not going to eat the raccoon. All right. There we go. Barbecue sauce or not, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to tell you guys. Well, I mean, I see, I look at the time and it's kind of getting away from us here. And especially, since did we hit all the black? Did we hit all the black cards? I, I, I would say one more. thing before we yeah. move. I think, I think the Spike Lee collection, mm-hmm. which is a collection of all his movies, mm-hmm. good and bad, mm-hmm. some more, some more badder than others, more badder. Mm-hmm. Um, they're part of the black card collection. I don't know. Movies. I don't know. Oh, no. Yep. I think there's yep. some, some of the stuff that's not, it's not. Yes, I know people that uh, will not watch a uh, Spike Lee movie no matter what it is. They think that every, they, they think that, uh, or they characterize every Spike Lee movie as a, as a black exploitation film. Hmm. Wow. And uh, they, they just refuse, it's just that I just don't, just don't like Spike Lee movies. They've never seen one. But they still don't even like Malcolm it. X. Even, even Malcolm X. Even Malcolm. Oh my God! You forgot to say Black Panther. How can we forget? Um, oh, Black Panther. Yeah, how we forget that? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's definitely an iconic film. Yeah, I know. How about Baby Kid. How about Baby Kid. We're trying to do start something. I'm just saying. You know, I'm just saying too. You're trying to start something. <laughs> if, if you're a Robin Harris fan, yes, you know, and you know, so yeah. Mm-mm-mm. How about any Tyler? How about Tyler Perry movies? Oh, oh, we'd be here all night on that thing. <laughs> no, guys, <laughs> it's the end of the world. Because <laughs> uh, I know some people may think that the Medea films are, you know, iconic, and I would say maybe they are. Maybe they are, even though I don't like them. They may be, but uh, anything that I know, he does a lot of stuff that I've seen that's really you know, questionable in the way that black people are portrayed. Yeah. And really questionable. And I wonder how much self-loathing can you cram into, you know, an episodic show, you know? But you have to know as a black card, you have to know that these movies exist. Yeah. You may not have seen them, True. right? So but you've the seen... Funny thing of- but the funny thing about it is the people who are uh, 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 Tyler Perry partisans, 
even if you point out to them the things that other people think are like glaring type of, you know, red cards in there and everything like that, they still don't, they don't mind those, you know, even if they see them or don't agree with them, but they don't mind them. And there's something about, mm -hmm. something about Medea mesmerizes people. Yeah. And I think also that it's a thing that, um, what's his name, that Milton used to coin it is you know, black guilt marketing. That a lot of black people believe that if you don't watch the show or the movies that are made by, you know, certain black creators, then we won't get any movies at all. Or they just like the fact to be able to say, here, we got one black millionaire. So we'll put all our stuff into this person so that, look, we have this black millionaire, you know, like they do with a lot of ministers, preachers. You know, by the preacher, you know, the Rolls Royce, and they, you know, can't, don't have two nickels to rub together, you know, because they want to be able to, you know, point to this person, this paragon, and say, look, one of us has made it. And I think part of it is that. Well, Delphi, what about the new Jack Black card shows like uh, Snowfall and Power? And shows yeah, okay, well, I mean, that those are hard. Those, those of you all who would condescend to watch those shows, let's see what you feel about it. <laughs> okay, Queen, so Queen Sugar. Queen Sugar. Um, see, see, Queen Sugar is not a good thing, you know, for me to. I don't watch it, only because you know there, you know, certain actors and stuff that I think are not very good. So I do not watch it because of that, not because of any other thing that's you like know, Snowfall or no, it's Snowfall. I don't watch because of subject matter, because it's very easy all the time for Hollywood or whoever makes these things to make uh, television shows about black people having to be in touch with uh, the criminal element all the doggone time, all the time. Even something like Empire about music and Empire. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah Empire. Yeah. Empire, which is iconic, mm -hmm. but even Empire, you know, it's like you know, has to be touched with its beginnings, you know, dealing with drugs or illegality, and so everything that we touch, there cannot be anything that you know our people do from the beginning to end that's a legitimate enterprise. It always has to be something that's touched with criminality. That's why I don't like those shows. What about Yo MTV Raps? I didn't really watch that, but I'm sure Ooh. that a lot of people did. My sister did. She's younger than me, though. So, yeah, she used to watch that. But she boycotted it for a long time because, uh, remember, they used to not play Black people music on MTV, and especially rap music. But then when they discovered that this was a thing, then they created Yo! MTV Raps in order to um, compete with Rap City, which had come out before that. So for a long time, I know, even though she did eventually watch the show she boycotted it for a very long time oh. i mean i think maybe you know rap city may be the thing that's iconic and your interview raps is like you know it's uh you know just another um what do you call it a, um a form of appropriation but unfortunately oh, wow. a form of appropriation that a lot of black um performers had to get on board with because this is, you know, MTV was, you know, putting out the videos and putting them out there on the air for people to see where they were getting, you know, the marketing bump from it. So, you know, it's kind of a difficult thing, you know? And of course, 
once MTV started doing your MTV raps, then Rap City's market share dwindled, you know? What about Martin? So, so many people know it, and Shanane, et cetera. I think that it would fall into that category. A bad black card show or just a black card show in general? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a black card show. I mean, because Martin Lawrence can be funny, you know? And it was saying that one day I did. I said, Dave Chappelle show, which I did not watch regularly, but Dave I know people that the did. Chappelle show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Chappelle show was, you know, iconic. I mean, there's a lot of things that you look around, a lot of black performers, writers, actors have really added a lot to pop culture with the works that they have done, you know, and regardless whether they, I dislike them or like them, they have made an impact. And and like that's, I think that's a big thing. I mean, not the same, not the same way that Greg Moore is on Mission oh, Impossible. Of course, or, of course. No. I mean, that, that, I mean, well, I mean, I look at it this way, for instance, um, the film, recent films, Malignant and Megan, written by, you know, a, a black screenwriter woman. And these are horror films that have no black people in them. But, you know, this is a person, you know, who has come through the ranks and just done their horror. I mean, I look at somebody like, and I forgot, you know, New Jack, um iconic um individual quinta brunson with abbott elementary you know i think that it's just you, you know it's a black card show i think it is i think you should and what's the other one the new wonder years i think also is a, a black card show. and blackish which although i didn't like it very beginning i did not like it at the very beginning it developed into a really important show i think yeah and speaking of New Jack, New Jack City, right? Yeah, New Jack City, although it's it, they're very flawed, but yes, it, it is. So you watch New Jack City, but not Snowfall? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why are you watching Snowfall now? I've been sneaking some looks at Snowfall. Okay. It's last season of Snowfall. Okay. How about the, um, I mean, the, I don't watch it. But, I mean, I think the original Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is iconic. Yeah, and, I never watch it that much. Yeah, but I think it is an iconic show, you know. I don't, I don't really, I've watched only like the first um, several episodes of Bel-Air. But I, I did not rope me in that much. But I think the, the original one was, you know, an, an iconic show. I think so. I think it was the introduction of Will Smith mm-hmm. into the into the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also the fact is, again, you know, doing a family of Black people who were not just, you know, like you say, upper middle class, but were actually wealthy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, although, yes, it's a comedy, but still, you know, you have this black family that is, you know, wealthy and people didn't, you know, normally see that. And to see a black family as wealthy that still has the same type of values that we, you know, consider, you know, a black family's type of values. So I thought that that was really 
um, yeah, that, that, would, that would make my list. Anything else? Reading Rainbow. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's part of the LeVar Burton suite, right? Mm -hmm. And I think anything Star Trek and also one of the things that um, Otto was saying a while back was uh, uh, Star Wars. He said how all the guys, you know, the, the homies in the neighborhood yeah. identified with, you know, with the rebels. Yeah. And they, yeah. It's, I mean, look at what's his name down in Miami with two live crew, Luke Skywalker, Skywalker, mm -hmm. Raiders, you know, and they identified with that. So I think that that's, that's another one, you know, that you have to admit, you know, that it is, you know, ties in a lot with the mindset of the black community, how they see themselves. Yeah, with with ourselves with Star Trek, especially with um the black community, because a lot of people in the community caught on to it, not the first when it first ran, but in reruns. Mm. Well, I know I used to watch it with my grandfather when I was uh, a little girl. He really he loved science fiction. He loved the show. We watched it with him. And there were a lot of issues in Star Trek, which were, you know, basically veiled um, socio-political issues. So I thought also that's another reason why, you know, a lot of Black people could identify with it. Of course, you know, Michelle Nichols, also a lot of Black people identified with, um, with Spock. You know, of uh, the concept of being someone who is different that people right there, you know, talking to you, like, you know, have the doctor, you know, you pointy-eared, green-blooded, blah, blah, blah. It's ah. like, who the, you know, it's like, I'm sorry, but in the real world, you slap the shit out of him. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, you're right. It was the real, it was real. In the real world, the black president would be like, what the fuck you say? Yeah, exactly. But I think a lot of black people with that, you know, of having to put up with that kind of crap, especially back then in the 60s or early 60s. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I think if you ask most black people that they identified more with Spock and mm -hmm. white people most identified with Kirk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And actually, this is the way that they want black people to be. That you may, you know, know a lot. You may, in fact, know more than me. But you have got to be content with not only being subordinate, but keeping your mouth shut mm -hmm. and not reacting. That's how they want us to be. You know, the, just like the doctor says these things, you're supposed to not say anything. You're supposed to take the high road and not react when the yeah. doctor says inappropriate um nasty yeah some of the nasty stuff i mean i even you know watch the the star trek the animated series and that doesn't doesn't play forward too well you know no. dr no. mccoy just like goes up he's like i hate that you have this kind of blood and i hate that this is that i hate everything about you but i love you at the same time it's like what the heck yeah it's, it's like how did, that's that's not that's not even microaggression yes yeah. Well, the interesting thing was it wasn't just the doctor because anytime um, if, you, if the episode where the uh, spores were uh, invading the ship and everything, yes, and I by sheer dent of will, you know, Jim pulls himself out of it. But he does the worst thing you can imagine. He's 
starts doing your mama things on spot just to get him riled up. Yeah, I remember that episode. Yeah, as if that's, you know, appropriate, you know, behavior when he is, you know, finally like embraced his uh, emotions again and get ready to take off. I said, nope, I need you to be on this ship, so to hell with your happiness. But, but why is it, why is it that these things now, and I watch the, you know, reruns, you know, like everybody else, and it didn't stand out to me, but now that I watch it, now I watch these shows, and I'm like, McCoy is an asshole. Mm-hmm. You know, the stuff that he says to Spock is just outrageous. Yeah. It's like, it's no, it's no wonder Spock doesn't tear him apart limb from limb, right? Yeah, but again, it's like I was just saying. This thing is how, I think, when it is written, how Roddenberry in that, you know, world sees Black people. That you are, you know, a marginalized other. And you may be smarter than me. In fact, you may actually be more suited to um, manning this ship, captaining this ship, than I am. But I'm going to be the captain because that's what the rules say. And I can say and do these things to you in the way that they want black people to react. When they say nasty stuff to you, you're supposed to just take it. You're just supposed to roll off your back. That is what the, the hope is. That is what it is. And you remember the episode where they, they land on the planet with the, the giants? Mm-hmm. And and I forgot the actor's name, the black actor's name. Yeah, the guy, what's her name's husband? We just showed him the giants, right? Wouldn't it then? Yeah, how, how he laid in the spot. Mm-hmm. Just laid into him, and to come, for for it to come from a black person mm-hmm. makes it even makes me feel more even more certainly. More yeah. Cringy. Well, they do that all the time. Whenever mm-hmm. there's like an episode or a, a sci-fi show where there's supposed to be an example of prejudice, they always manage to sneak a few brothers in there, like they would join the pre- like not one of them say, "Hey, this sounds kind of familiar." Like not. <laughs> <laughs> they always, yeah, like, they watching X Men where they went one of the X Men TV shows where they went to go lynch the kid and there were black people in the lynching crowd. I'm like, come on now, really, really, y'all? Okay, like not one of y'all said, hey, this ain't supposed to be us. And, and then of course I, started, I watched together, uh, right? January 6th and saw all those brothers in that crowd there, and I said, well, I guess. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but, 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 you see, but you see, 99.9 percent of the time though. Uh, McCoy would say something, but Spock would get the last wisecrack, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was it was it wasn't as sharp as. Uh, yeah, but you know, with again, McCoy like, was laying McCoy was laying into it for like forty minutes, and he gets a minute of saying, "And and doctor, that's why you're stupid." Spock always came out looking like the better man, like like the, like he he looked like the guy who was who won that argument every time. But you know what, though? But understand, from my perspective, what that is is how they want to treat Black people. That we get to batter you and beat you and say all these nasty things about you. And if you don't sit quietly and try to be the, you know, the better man or, you know, be the individual who is um, uh, listening to his better angels, then something's wrong with you. I mean, as Spock, you you know, looked at him, and cursed him out. Oh my God, Spock! What are you doing? But this guy just said yeah, the I mean, same thing to me, and that was okay. But I, right. well, Spock, you're better than that. That's the, that that conversation, well, you know. Well, you know, the, the idea of the time was that that was what was better. 
Spock was yeah, just was take it. Mm-hmm. But in that episode, life. Mm-hmm. in the episode where they land on the planet with the giants, that character that laid into Spock, I thought it was a very, you know, I thought, it was, I thought the actor did a really good job. And no, it was Don Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Don Mitchell. He had so heard that conversation before from the other side. Mm-hmm. And, and typically, you know, that a character like that that has such a strong performance will go on to be seen in other other episodes. You never see that guy again, right? And and, and then uh, out of the airlock when nobody was looking. <laughs> and Spock and Spock would tell him, you know, like you know what, shut the f up, man. You know, yeah. you you're 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 an inferior officer to me. I'm superior officer. Be quiet. Yeah, and so I mean, you know, things like that. I mean, it's just why I think Star Trek is, you know, one of those iconic shows. As you sit there, try to decipher what it is that it's saying to us. You know, it says a lot about what was going on back then, what expectations were of people who were marginalized back then, and what is it you're supposed to sit quietly, regardless of the fact that you may be smart. But how do you reconcile that with the Don Mitchell episode? Because well, Don Mitchell is, is no, no doubt he's black, and no doubt he's laying into this this other person, right? Yeah, but the thing is, again, that he's just like a a special guest star, and like I think it was at Cranston and however saying that they always want to bring you know a black person there to be the heavy, you know, because then it's like, well, look, you know, white people, we're not the ones being the heavy all the time, you know. Yeah, but things evolve, and it, mm-hmm. it's gotten to the point where where Cisco punched Q in the face. Yeah, see, there you go. You said what? <laughs> see, Picard wouldn't do it, but Cisco would. So enough is enough. Hmm? Enough is enough of that nonsense. I don't think I've ever. I don't. I think, and that's the thing. Sometimes people need a punch in the face. But no, no one would have punched that Don Mitchell character in the face. No, Spock would give a neck pinch and tell him to stop talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you just said. Can you time, for you, time for you to take a nap. That's what he had a lot of. Don Mitchell had a lot of lines in that. Episode. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, time for you to take a nap. Okay. All right, but the thing is, like, you know, people, and I, and I thought when I saw the one that we were talking about. Individuals asking for stuff that made no sense at all. Like, oh my gosh! Listen, these people got died down here. So now, shouldn't we be performing your funeral? Here, yeah. Let's go get. Can't we give this shovels. man a decent burial? Why we give him a decent burial? You want to just get some shovels, right, and dig our own freaking graves and lay in them, and what decides <laughs> to come kill us all? How's that? <laughs> Game over, man. <laughs> we can't take our. We can't take our time among these giant, these giant beings to dig a grave for this man and put nope. the dirt on him. Nope. We what can't. the hell is going on? Nope, we cannot. I said, what did you all go to the same military training I went through? Come on, did y'all go to Starfleet? <laughs> I was like, okay, never mind. That's a here. That's just you know, you know, we need to lighten this ship by uh, by three hundred <laughs> grams, and that's. Two of you, right? So yeah, you go yeah. ahead and do that stuff. I'll, yeah, y'all go ahead, and take care of that. Get the hell off. And, and, and I mean, with the burial, I mean, come on, you're burying somebody, and then the next thing you know, you get a giant spear in your back. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, y'all. 
We can live without that. Really. I, was, I was performing the Kaddish, and then the boom. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Guys, I'm again looking at the clock, and the time is kind of rolled around. We will not sing Carol Burnett tonight, but we will say thank you for showing up, Howard. It was great to have you at the show. We missed your voice. Yay. Uh, Sonia and Cranston, Otto, James, everybody, wonderful. And don't forget, those of you all who are going to be there tomorrow, that this is the color of fandom uh, today and tomorrow uh, is uh, the color of fandoms. Yukon. We will be on panel tomorrow at 2 o'clock Eastern time, and we are going to be discussing um, the old uh, school uh, shows, music, whatever, that we know that the new Jack Blurds um, might want to take a listen, watch, or whatever of. So we'll be there tomorrow, 2 o'clock Eastern time. If you don't know what that information is, check on um, the discussions from the Otherhood Facebook page, because I'll have that posted again tonight. And I'll just uh, be there tomorrow. So uh, again, thank you all, everybody for showing up. We'll be back here again next week. What I have on tap right now is Ben Affleck is the best Batman all around fight me. But um, something <laughs> else comes, um, I'm not kidding, I'm serious. Uh, so <laughs> if, if something else, the other thing is, um, Bugs Bunny and the comics that the uh, cartoons we came up with, how so many of them have kind of negative uh, vibes stuff, especially like toward black people that we did not really know when we were children, even as we were repeating the words and uh, what we should do about it. I mean, I know, saw just recently they had that uh, uh, disclaimer that they had a waiver, whatever they have at the beginning uh, so there was some Hanna-Barbera stuff for the Flintstones where it's saying that this thing was made during a certain time and may have certain things that are said that are improper, but to remove the things would be false as to what it was that was actually done, which I think is great. I mean, I think that, you know, if you're going to put something out there, you need to warn us. There should be trigger warnings on these things to let us know this is going to be some stuff in here. And then some of this stuff, in all honesty, um, they might put it right in front of me and I won't even know because I don't know what it means because it's stuff from like the 40s and 50s and 60s that we didn't know what those terms meant. So I think maybe something like that, I think would be interesting, but we'll talk about it. You know, whether that's more interesting than my belief that Ben Affleck is the best Batman all around. Oh, well, something real quick. Um, yes. You talked about Bucks Bunny, right? Yes, yes. Here's a homework assignment. What does Bucks Bunny, Tom and Jerry, and Bucks Bunny, Tom and Jerry, plagiarism, and um, yeah, what what do they have? And a, oh, I'm sorry, and a a black jazz pianist have in common? Wow, that sounds fun. We'll go to work. We'll look it up. Okay. We'll do the research. All right, all right now. Get ready to stop, everybody. Uh, start with you, James. Uh, your 15 seconds of fame to close it out. Okay. Um, no, all that we mentioned tonight, those some are definitely uh, black cards that you should carry in your tote bag or wallet or whatever. And some black cards that we mentioned, you kind of put the card in the back of the drawer. 
<laughs> right? Okay. And Howard? Uh, yeah, just everybody have a good week. Next time. All right. Fantastic. I'm glad to see you next time. And Sonia? Hey. There's, some, there's something for everybody <laughs> out there. Yes, there is. There is. There is. So just gotta yeah. hunt and find it. All right. Or All right. or hang out with uh hang out with James. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Chris, thank you. Chris, what do you got? I would say that I think you have to remember that, um, you know, we're not monolithic. There are things that appeal to us both on the ethnic level and then just on the human level that we can mm -hmm. say, yeah, I can identify with that, whatever it is. So mm -hmm. we shouldn't be too judgmental uh, either way, unless it's something like you said, you know, you really shouldn't be watching that. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of those. <laughs> All right, Otto, it's your last one. Well, I think the, the black card allows us as black people to speak to each other on a different level, even if the, the media or, or show or film, you know, that we're discussing, we may not like or disagree on. I remember someone saying that, that I, someone that I've worked with saying that they love soul playing. And I hate soul playing, but I saw soul playing so I could talk about soul playing. Mm -hmm. And other people can't talk about soul playing. Some people outside of our ethnic uh, circle so i think that 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 black card gives us a passport to each other mm -hmm. ideas and points of conversation mm -hmm. okay. all right well thank you all so much and uh we will be back here same time same channel here in the otherhood and we'll see you then take care of yourselves have a productive remainder of your week and have a great weekend good night good night good night, good night. Good night.